welcome back to A View, episode three, Freddy Cougar in Space. Just kidding. Well, it does have Robert Englund in this. This film is 1981's film, Galaxy of Terror, and it stars Robert Englund and a whole lot of other cast of people that I recognized from different films and television shows, and I admired them so much, and it's a shame they're not often recognized, at least not always, or when they are, it's just in a matter of, oh, it's that person. <laughs> well, anyways, I'd like to give props and thanks for the assistance and inspiration of Brandon Tenold, uh, Good Bad Flicks, Hellbound, Man vs. Film, 80s Horror Carn- Central, uh, Dark Corners Review, and Real Review with Jen, and of course, Decker Shadow. Also, I'd like to give thanks to Spotify's uh, podcast show called Bad Movie Night Podcast. I started watching their, listening to their podcast episode about Galaxy of Terror. I have to say, you guys did a pretty fantastic job. I look forward to hearing more from you guys later on in the future. So this is basically um, a film about a rescue mission that has gone straight to hell. There's a lot of references to this film. When you watch this film, you see a whole lot of things that kind of remind you of a whole lot of things. At least for me, it did. Uh, It's basically, um, this film was made after Aliens. And uh, this is a plot that probably was supposed to be in Aliens, but it didn't get it didn't get picked up with it, so they had to do their own. So they had to wait until Alien was out of theaters and already on videos to do their own thing here. This film is a very low budget film, and it was so low budgeted that crews had to go dumpster diving to finding materials of what they need for the films. If you watch the film and you looked at the walls of these uh, crafts that they have here. They have walls that look like they were made out of uh, burger uh, boxes that were made from Burger King or uh, McDonald's, one of those two. They took them and sprayed them and then painted them and then glued them to the wall and there's, there's the wall to their craftsmanship. Who knows what else they went dumpster diving for. Oh, I do know that um, they did have to use a, a, truck, a truck driver uh, joint location there for some of the sets there. Such a, such, a, such a lot to do for a film this small and this simple. Oh, I do believe this was also uh, James Cameron's uh, first gig in the movie works. He was a truck driver. And, uh, well, before Titanic, Avatar, and all his other popular films that he has made over the years, this was probably his first directing gig. And he did a successful job of it. I have to admit, despite the plot and script, odd names and odd phrases and odd script, this film is not that bad. I love watching it. I watch it all the time. I'd watch it anytime I wish to watch watch it. So, um, this film, let's see, reference one, um, the entity. Because the film opens up with this uh, crash site of a spaceship in a planet that looks like where the set reminds me of either A, aliens, or B, aliens, or C, the Terminator, or um, first thing that popped into my head was the 1984 Supergirl film starring Helen Slater. 
No relations to Christian Slater, by the way. Anyways, there's a guy who seems to be the last survivor of the crew because everybody around him is all dead and he is either trying to hail for help or trying to start start up a, a escape pod. I don't know what it is. But whatever was chasing him did catch him and started thrashing him around like a rag doll. Made me think of The Entity. That's a film that we're going to be talking about later in the future, guys. And I promise, promise to do so in the future. Uh, Instead of seeing how he dies, though, instead we see him screaming and the screen freezes and then it switches over to another scene. The scene opens up with this narration by an old woman and I thought this film was going to be narrated by this woman throughout this whole film. Turns out, no, that wasn't the case. Uh, Don't ask me if this world we're seeing in this film is planet Earth of any kind. So we're just going to leave it on the basis that it's a world that looks like Earth with people that look like humans, but really, we don't know. We will never know. So we just go with it. This woman makes me think of Mortiana, the uh, witch henchman from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, to uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham there. But, uh, (laughs) oh, I'd say she is scary beyond all reason. That's all I can say to describe her. She's playing this weird computer game opposite of a guy with a shiny red glowing head. Uh, Bad movie night podcast um, dudes on that. They reference it to saying um, that the dude looked like he was dressed as a Jedi master. I couldn't stop laughing at that. And the thing that popped in my head was... If Darth Vader had anything hidden underneath that mask other than what we saw at the end of Return of the Jedi, that glowing head could have been it. That or even Emperor Palpatine. It could have. You may never know. Well, anyways, these, this game that this weird guy and this gal who they're playing, uh, they then get are interrupted by someone who tells them that they lost communication to a craft. I'm guessing it's the one we saw at the beginning of the film. And so now they have to do a, uh, a mission, a rescue mission, done by the, the master, that's the, red, that's the red guy, uh, he gives the orders for that. And all he is known is, is that as the master, that's all he is known as. We don't get to know anything about him until later on in the film. Well, the rescue mission is, is going to be at hand. Uh, we got the commander of the mission. We also got the tack team leader. And uh, we also got this captain, a female captain. And I have to say, it is awesome to seeing a woman in the position of power. Very refreshing. It's also refreshing even more that she plays a kind of like Captain Ahab slash uh, uh, what's-his-name villain from The Abyss. The crazy guy who tries to send uh, a nuclear weapon to try and destroy the aliens that are, on the, that are in the film The Abyss. <clears throat> Basically, it's the character who suffers from some post-traumatic stress disorder and some form of psychosis because this person is, you know, just intimidating and is intimidated by themselves as well and doesn't seem like they're at peace of any kind and all they're doing is just focusing on what they have to do. And uh, this gal here, she seems to be well in charge because (laughs) when she is given this mission, she must have been like, yes, sir, I'm already on it. Because when she's on that craft, all she inquires is just two, two inquiries and then automatically announces to the crew that they had 30 seconds to hurry up and get into their seats and buckle down and so that they can take off. 
so yeah, everyone's all running around like crazy to try and uh, get themselves seated and buckled up. And poor Robert Anglin's character, he has only five seconds left and he still isn't in his chair. So one gal was kind enough to offer to hold him and secure him in a birthing position. That's so nice of her. Can't imagine how that can be safe when you're taking off from Earth to space, though. But that's the fun part about this kind of film. You can overlook at that and just have fun watching it. Why not? So after they finally take off and they're in space, and everyone seems to be all at ease and all seems to be well, and maybe it'll be a nice smooth ride wherever they're going. But no, the Captain Ahab decided, no, we're going to go into speed. I don't know, it's it's definitely not light speed and it's not a hyperdrive. Nope, it's just speeding. From point, it's getting from point A to point D by skipping B and C. That's what she, that's the way she rolls, and well, she did successfully get her uh, get her crew get the crew to where they needed to go, and she praises herself for that. Meanwhile, this commander of the mission, he seems to be a nervous Nelly kind of guy. He makes me think of Gorman from the Aliens movie. The, you know, the guy who's supposed to be the leader of this mission, but really he's not cut out for the job, especially for a guy who only did uh, a few simulation, but not enough combat drops. Not enough. Oh, well. So everyone here is going to be killed by whatever their fear manifests them to become. That's how they die. And some of their death scenes are quite pretty easy to analyze, but other times, other deaths, they never really um, disclose or make you kind of make you even understand exactly how, what kind of fear do they have that it manifested to something like this. I don't get it at all. But meanwhile, once they get to the planet and they get there and they see the ship, it is destroyed and everybody is dead. And yet everyone tries to do an internal investigation here. Now, let me mention also about the characters. Uh, my favorite character in this one, aside from the hero and Robert Anglin's character, there's this character played by... Played by Sid... By Sid Hag. Now, he's a popular um, character actor who was in a lot of films, including mostly Rob Zombie movies. He died, unfortunately, in September 21st, 2019. So sad. I really like his character. He was a quiet guy, and he only said one line. It was his first and last line, and then he dies in the film. Anyway, so that's my, that, that's my favorite character one, the, t- the strong, silent guys. Why not? And then there's our hero, played by Edward Albert. I've seen him him in two different things. Well, three if you count the one where he is voicing an animated character. Oh, God, he looks like Hollywood classic actor. I swear, he could have appeared in an episode of The Twilight Zone during its golden days of black and white films. But oh well. So everybody gets there to that planet. They get to that ship and they do an investigation. Sad news, people, though. Everybody's dead. And the first person to die is the guy who is the most petrified one. I mean, the guy looks like he's already dying of a stomach ulcer because he is vomiting, pissing, and shitting himself to death. 
Oh, poor guy. But I'm guessing he is in every horror film. What he rep- what what he is is what every horror film has. There's always that one character who is so petrified that he baits whatever is going to kill them to come out. That's who he is because he's the first one to go of all people. And once again, when they find his body and they analyze him, they are unable to conclude exactly what killed him. So what they decide to do is go back and investigate. And when they do that, two other, three other people are gone, including the commanding officer who tries to prove his courage and proving his worth and trying to get some balls growing between his legs. But that does not work out because he eventually dies. Then you have a... Another person, then you have the strong silent guy played by Sid Hag, as I mentioned, and he says his last line, I love that his choice of weapon was instead of a blaster or a flamethrower, it sees crystals in the shape of ninja stars that he throws and hits people, but unfortunately it doesn't save him because he dies and it's so sad to see him go. He should have at least lived long enough to helping our hero here. And then there's this creepy, scary, very disturbing scene where a woman is, are you ready? Raped to death by a giant bug. And that's what everybody remembers about this film. Everybody remembers that film because of that scene. And yeah, well, that scene does stand out. It does make it for an awkward uh, moment for a date. But then again... What film is uh, what good film isn't without one twisted shocking scene that makes you cringe or make you shuffle in your seat? Who knows? But that's just one hell of a way to go, I got to say. Really is one hell of a way to go. Everybody else got to either get sucked dry by some weird alien uh tentacles or, or uh mysteriously get stab multiple times or get their heads ripped off or get their heads blown off constricted tight bind and then explode or they end up fighting a a double an evil double which is what happened happened to Robert England but thank god and I'm hoping I'm correct because every time I watch this film and try to figure out what happened to Robert England's character I still seem to miss out or have not seen exactly what became of Robert England's character at the end of this film does he live or does he not live well anyways everyone all tries to investigate of what's going on and what killed this crew but it, nobody seems to realize that what's happening to them isn't exactly something physical that they can see it's an individual kind of thing they have to see it with their fears but they don't know that until the end of course and when they're down to just two victims left which is Robert England's character and Edward Albert's character they go to this uh, weird um, temple looking kind of place Robert England decides to hold back. And after that, we don't see or hear from him afterwards. Why is that, though? I don't understand it. I just don't understand it at all. (sighs) Well, anyways, Edward Albert goes up these stairs and tries to find out what's going on. And he does get his answer. This master seemed to have uh, created this whole thing and started the whole thing from the beginning of it all. He was so determined to get to this planet for some reason. If he's an all-powerful master, I'm surprised he couldn't just magically transfer himself from that planet he was at to this planet he was going to. Who knows? 
who knows why. But he explains to Robert, uh, to uh, El, uh, to Edward Albert's character, <clears throat> that all of these are all based on fear, and he helps him figure it out. I'm guessing he was trying to find somebody to pass the torch to. That seems what it that kind of seems like what it looks like to me at the end of the film that he was that the master here was trying to find somebody to take his place I don't know maybe he's sick and tired of being the guy with the glowing head so he just wants to give it to somebody else who knows I uh, pass the buck kind of deal or pass the red kind of deal <laughs> also there's always this uh, one character who seems like the kind of guy you'd overlook and he's played by by uh, Sydney by Ray Walston, another veteran actor, very famous veteran actor. But anyways, we find out that just when you thought that he was just a simple cook for the crew, you find out you start thinking, no, he's a spy from the government, come to spy on them. But nope, turns out he is the master. He's the master. The one with the red glowing head who was playing that strange game with that old gal. And like I said, I got a feeling the whole thing about this was just trying to find uh, another human subject to take over. So that way this other guy can just take it easy. Maybe die finally. Who knows? All I know is this is that what's beautiful about this film is that it's always about the same old thing. Fear. The experience of it and what it can do to you and what it cannot do to you. I like films like these where it talks about or delves into the subject of what is it that you're most afraid of and how does it manifestate and what shape or form does it take and how can it kill you. Anxiety does kill and that is speaking from somebody who suffers from anxiety. Oh man. Also, just seeing how um, Edward, how Edward Albert, how his character defeats all this, how he virtually had an opportunity to have all this power when he is given the torch to becoming the next master, he just tosses it aside like, nah, I'm not interested in that. So, um, I don't need to deal with it. I don't even want to deal with it at all. So why bother with it? Just let it be. That's an interesting way of doing it. I can't imagine, though, how something as powerful as this, that you can just simply uh, toss it aside as if you're given offered a helmet and you put it on, but you just take it off and just toss it away. Especially given the fact that what's been going on has cost him friends and a love interest. And even though there was a rival there, he's the kind of guy who was like, I didn't want this guy to die, especially not like that. So... Yeah, that's what makes him the hero that he is in this. Oh, and don't ask me to pronounce any of the names here. Not the names and certainly not the curse words that are used here. You ever heard of something like pox? P-O-X? Son of a cyborg? I heard Robert England finally call somebody a stupid son of a bitch. That is the only modern uh, curse word I've heard in this entire film. Everything else is just very strange. Kudos to the writer of the script here. I have to give kudos to him for coming up with such interesting names and interesting phrases and interesting wordings of things. Like the Captain Ahab of this film, the gal who's in charge of transferring the crew to their mission. 
she oh my goodness yeah she's she's got it all going there she's got intensity she's got fear but she's got strength and she's got guts and she's got that um, attitude of where she's one minute there and the next she's somewhere else mentally I got a feeling she knows something but we will never know what it is that something must have happened to her because she said she'd rather be on the mission than uh, than be relaxing and taking it easy then we got all these other characters, all of them with different personalities and all. You've got a rival to our hero, this guy who clearly can't stand his guts. I don't know why, really, because they could have gotten along better. They both complement each other somehow. But then again, you got to have those kind of characters who are the, uh, the challenger of our hero. That's just the way it's supposed to be. So, script plot and um, the animal, the uh, mechanics that were used for the alien creatures and all that aside. Aside from that, this film isn't really so bad. I love the music even. I love the, the intensity of it. And like I said, I love films where it deals with fear and what it can do to you and how it can kill you. That is probably the worst way to being killed off is by your own fears. Why not on that one indeed? But so forth. But all in all, I'd say this film is just... (laughs) It's definitely something worth passing by. I have a lot of questions, though, about it. I'd love to talk to the cast and crew and even the director about this. I'd definitely love to know what does the initials on their uniform stand for? This CSF, I believe that's what it is. We never really got to know that. Not at all. Oh. Very nice film. Very well constructed. And I can definitely live with that. I could definitely also live with the creepy, scary rape scene between one of the crew and a giant-ass bug. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to watch that film, this film without going through, with going through that scene there. I've gotten over it now. I'm pretty fine with it. I still watch it though and just keep wondering, you know, is she getting, it doesn't look like she's getting eaten alive. So yeah, some people say she was eaten by that monster. Some say she was slobbered to death by that monster. Others say that she is kind of strangled by it. But no, clearly from all the research that I've been reading about and all these videos and podcasts, all of them all conclude that that was a rape scene. Well, the actress doesn't seem to suffer from any kind of trauma from that because the only trauma that she suffered from was a bit of claustrophobic because uh, the, the, the machine that was supposed to do that, that creepy crawly animal that's raping her nearly smothered her to death. Other than that, she was asked, would she ever do that scene again? And she said, yeah, she would. Oh, you got this... Uh, Erin Moran, she's kind of like a psychic of some sort, but her abilities are not being cherished or used. No, no, there's a dude here who has got a bug up his ass that's the size of an emu, and he's the rival to our hero here. The kind of guy who is like reminding him always, I'm the leader of this mission. 
Anyways, the uh, character Erin Moran plays. She was in uh, the Happy Days uh, TV show, also in that Joni Loves Chachi series. Well, that just proves that she's a serious actress, that she doesn't want to just play the same type of characters. She wants to play any kind of characters, and that just proves what an actor is supposed to be, the types who are willing to play any other role, not just ones that they're typecasted in or something they're suited in simply because of their looks, their appearances, or what. That's what makes them awesome. And this film, well, like I said, it's just... It's just a really good passing film. So um, I highly recommend anybody who is interested in looking for a sci-fi movie horror film that they can just watch for the hell of it or something that they like that kind of makes them close, that's closely resembling uh, Alien slash uh, Event Horizon. This film is probably it. And I hope everyone else likes it the way I do. And if not, no worries. I still like you anyway. I'll see you guys next time. I hope to do a better episode than this one. (laughs) And that's my last uh, negative critique to myself. Y'all take care and y'all be safe, okay? Bye-bye.